Who is the greatest actress of all time? We're going to argue about it. Argue, argue, can't wait. What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. And it's time again to get into our crazy brains. <laughs> it's amazing that people ever want to know what's going on in our crazy brains, actually. And hopefully they do, or else, you well, know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this, exactly. Indeed. Sometimes so. I don't want to know what's going on in my crazy brain. And I really sometimes don't want to know what's going on in your crazy brain because it's really scary. There are many times where I want to stay out of my own brain, so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what people are thinking. But if you're <laughs> one of those crazy people, welcome. We're glad you're here. <laughs> uh, we're coming to you from a cold, snowy morning in a cave. Oh, so cold. Oh, my goodness. It was like uh, two degrees when I parked the car. Was it? Two degrees? Yeah, two degrees. Very chilly. Yeah. Yeah, for, for those of you who live in really warm places, we're very envious of you right now. But Or at least I am. I, I am ready for some shorts. I, I mean, shorts are great. I wear shorts pretty much all year round. They're, yeah, that's they're true. They're 365 for me. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, sun is great. I love the sun. And the problem with cold weather is that I can't enjoy it the way I want to, which is just to curl up and oh, yeah. sleep a lot and maybe read some Calvin and Hobbs and play, play the some video, video game games. or two. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that I think that cold days are fantastic if you have nowhere to go. You know, you just turn on the fire, you sit down, you get a huge sweater, make some hot cocoa or something with the little marshmallows in it. And you just sit. You just sit and veg. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that during warm days, right? I mean, not really. Not, you got to get out. You got to get out. You got to get out. You know, you feel you feel wrong for doing that on yeah. a warm day. Yeah, I don't own a hammock, so I have to get out and do stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. it's okay to nap outside. Yeah. On a warm day, but on the cold days, it's totally fine to do that inside. Yeah. My family got a semblance of that in the last week or two. As everybody got the flu, and so, <laughs> so there was forced relaxation. Forced relaxation. It's not the ideal way to no. veg on a cold winter's day. No. But there was a lot of octonauts. There was a lot of Paw Patrol. A lot of Sophia the First. Which I have to say, it's a funny show because it's like, oh, anybody can be a princess. It's a little commoner girl who became a princess. She becomes a princess because her beautiful commoner mother. Happened to be single and ready to mingle. When the <laughs> king, who was also single and had kids, was like, I need a new wife and mother for my own kids. You're pretty beautiful. So no, not exactly democratic. So, yeah, not exactly democratic. <laughs> but there you go. Oh, well. Don't tell my daughter. <laughs> She'll have enough time to realize. The premise, that. I thought. I thought that, or my wife thought that, Sophia's parents had died and that she was adopted, that almost would have been the better premise. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and we know Disney loves to, to kill off parents, but not usually both, and I guess that's why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, only in Frozen. Only in Frozen. That's true. In Frozen, they're just like, right away, yeah. boom, dead. Speaking of princesses. Princesses. We are going to have a fun conversation today, I think. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that I've really noticed about this year, this past year, 
is how many strong performances we've seen and how many how many um, movies have really been um, centered around women. It's a good year for that, really. But in years past, I think that, that a lot of times when, when I've watched the Oscars, when you've seen these Oscar-worthy movies coming down the pipe, um, oftentimes, like, the best actress nominees, they wind up being in these, these movies that don't get any other nominations. I mean, they had one fantastic performance, but they were it. And then a lot of the ones that get multiple nominations, they're all so, so male-driven that you just don't see a lot of as many compelling female characters. And that's, that's really been a shame. Um, and it's been much the talk of Hollywood for lots and lots of years. But this year was sort of a reversal. We saw some tremendous movies uh, that were really centered on women. You know, you have The Post, Three, board, fill, three Billboards <laughs> Outside Ebbing, Missouri. That's a way too long for a yeah, movie title, by the exactly. way. Exactly. It's a terrible movie title. Um, Lady Bird, The Florida Project, The Shape of Water, I, Tanya. All of these have gotten tons of critical acclaim. All of them are centered on these really strong, um, somewhat flawed women, and, and they've been really compelling movies to watch. Uh, and, and even when you look at sort of the, the pop culture world, you see Wonder Woman set the world on fire, The Last Jedi, Rey is doing her thing. So I think that we're seeing sort of a turnaround, and I think it's a great thing. I mean, these movies are incredibly compelling. And it just got, it just got us to thinking about the greatest actresses of all time. Of there have all been time. some good ones. There have been some good ones. And More I know, than a few. I know, Jake, that you very rarely see any movies that have women in them at all. So <laughs> this was more of a challenge for you. But um, I thought it would be – I think we both think it would be fun to just sort of go down this list and, and see what we have. Yeah. Uh, you know, I laugh. But, you know, there is – we talk about subconscious bias. And I have to say, as a young boy growing up, of course I gravitated towards – Sure. Yeah. Heroes. Yeah. More than heroines. People, yeah, people who look like you. And you know? so uh, I, I do have to say, as I was building this list, I was a little bit, uh, I was a little bit bummed that there was <laughs> many of these, especially in the older films, mm-hmm. that I really didn't, I couldn't have told you much about their body of work. Right. And uh, the way maybe I could have with more, a higher percentage of male actors. Yeah. And so, you know, it doesn't, I am very appreciative of their work, but it did, it did make me realize that subconsciously as a kid, I did not seek, you know, movies with strong, even, I wasn't trying to weed those yeah. out yeah, by no. any means. But no, it's again, just sort of a natural. It, it was that natural thing. Yeah. Like it wasn't what I was seeking out intentionally. Yeah. And so I think I am glad that more of that is being made yeah. these days. And and that in spite of my younger self, that I have been able to see some some yeah. pretty great female actresses in some pretty great movies. Well, and you have to sort of think about it, how sort of both of our minds are sort of geared. I mean, we both like our sci-fi fantasy adventure stories, and I think you know, as as boys. You know, that's that's what we grew up on. We grew up on the Star Wars and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. For me, yeah. you grew up with whatever, you know, <laughs> 90s, 2000s. Yeah, for me, it was Tommy Boy, <laughs> Black Sheep, 
All that great classic yeah. cinema. So I think that there's there's sort of Wedding a built-in bias. And, and really, again, when, when you look at the history of, of movie making, at least probably in our lifetimes, it has been sort of, oddly enough, a male-dominated type of thing, it, especially for, you know, movies that would appeal to young boys, teen boys, all that kind of stuff. There's sort of a, a male bias built into some of that stuff, but... I've been reviewing movies now for three gazillion years, and so I've had a, an opportunity, I think, to sort of look Expand at... Expand those lines. Exactly. And I think that it's been, in some ways, honestly, I think that, generally speaking, I think that performances by women, and this is a very big generalization that could get me into huge amounts of trouble, but I think performances by women generally resonate with me more, just the performances, than performances by men. Like when I see, I don't know, when I see Daniel Day-Lewis, we've talked about Daniel Day-Lewis. He is great, and he does wonderful stuff. But then I, I look at like an old Jodie Foster movie or something. There's something really riveting about her performance that, that really draws me in in a way that, that even a Daniel Day-Lewis doesn't. Um, and maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there's some deep psychological reason for that, but mm. we we don't have time for Maybe that. Maybe Paul had a crush on Jodie Foster. At some I point. did have a crush on Jodie Foster, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and the mystery is solved. And there we go. Episode over. <laughs> All right. So, without further ado, it's time for Rank Geeks. Welcome inside, Rank Geeks. If my voice sounds weird, it's because I had a tooth pulled recently. Oh, I'm ouch. I'm tooth missing. I'm down to tooth, people. And <laughs> Yeah, so now you're down to, you only have like 11, Now I only got like right? 31. Oh, yeah, 31. Instead of 32. Or is it, I? you know, I used to remember this because I think it's the, 32. Yeah, 32 white horses on a pink hill. Riddle from The Hobbit. Yeah, The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Very good. It's First day, March, and then they stand still. Yeah. I've, lost, I've lost teeth. I don't have 32, so. <laughs> well. <laughs> I guess that's really more, more information than anybody needs to know. But just and, in case you were wondering. <laughs> okay. Before we go all the way down into the gutter of tooth extractions. <laughs> Have you heard how they do tooth extractions? No. Uh, we're here because we're a bunch of nerds who like to put Obviously. things in numerical order, <laughs> including the, our number of teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we I should rank our teeth Rank sometimes. our teeth, yeah. My favorite tooth is my left incisor. Now I know my number one is the one that I lost for sure. <laughs> well, the tooth fairy will give you money for that. Uh, does that, does that yeah. work in adulthood? Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Sweet. I'll, I'll keep waiting for that. Does... There's there's inflation. They've accounted for inflation. And oh, yeah. You could buy an Xbox with that sweet. now, I'm sure. All right. But we're here inside Rank Geeks, as we've already set up for you, to talk about the best actresses of all time. So, uh, Paul, all right, you start us off? I'll start What's us off. Your who because is Because I know you still have what? to. Who is your number You have five? to reconsider your list because I know you're going to have regrets once I start mine. Oh, I'm sure I will. All right. Number five. Number five. Emma Thompson. 
Emma Thompson, not to be confused with Emma Watson. Not to be confused with Though Emma Watson. Though they are both who's, British. And Emma Watson is a fine actress herself. But Emma Thompson, this is sort of a sympathetic pick for me <laughs> because I there is, for some reason, I really dig her in everything that I see her in. She's very likable. She's very she's likable. Got a, she's a very charming. Yeah, she is fantastic. Has she ever played an evil character? Um, let me Not think. that I've seen. Not that I have seen either. I think the the thing about that I really appreciate about her, and I think that probably my favorite role that she's been in is, uh, is oh, what was that movie? Saving Mr. Banks. Ah. That was a fantastic role for her. And she did sort of play a bad person in that. She was the author of Mary Poppins, and she was, she was not bad per se, <laughs> but she was a little crotchety. She, was, she just really was very persnickety about how she wanted Mary Poppins portrayed by Walt Disney. Right, she so. was. Yeah, and rightly so. And Walt Disney completely ignored her in the end. And he was a terrible was, person. <laughs> well, we could get into that on another <laughs> podcast because I learned a whole bunch about Walt Disney recently, which oh, good. is really interesting. All right, well, but we'll put a pin in that in a later that, episode. Yeah, she was. She didn't want to have the color red in the movie. Inter- the color red. She really was against the color red. She didn't want any singing, any dancing, and no, no, no animation. <laughs> so, Walt Disney was like, I agree, and also I'm doing none of that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a really scarring experience, I think, for everybody involved. Yeah, that's if awful. you watch that's Saving Mr. Awful. Banks, which was one of my favorite movies that year, um, yeah, it was clearly a scarring experience. But Emma Thompson nailed that role. She nailed that role. She's a Shakespearean actress. She does funny extremely well. I love her in her small roles in the Harry Potter movies. And she's just she's just kind of a kick, you know? Yeah. So, And I just, I really gravitated toward her. I, I For some reason, I think I want to have um, coffee with her someday just so we can sort of, you know, chat. Just sort of chat. Just sort of chat. That's all you want to do. Well, because she looks like she'd be such a fun person to chat with, don't you think? She does. I'm I'm not arguing with you there. So that's that's a worthy pick. I, I she I did consider her. But at my number five, it's not Emma Thompson. Alright. It is uh though it is a British actress. The Brits, they make some great actors and actresses. And that is the lady Helena Bonham Carter. Very good. Now, I I wrestled with this for a little bit because in recent years, ever since – and I say recent, but it feels like it's been more than just recent years. Yeah. She's done so much with Tim Burton. That's exactly right. That you're like, isn't she just the crazy lady who always plays weird characters in Tim Burton movies? And – Yes, she is that. <laughs> she is that. But she's not only that. We forget that before she was the crazy lady in Tim Burton movies, she actually herself was a Shakespearean actress. And so that means she still is. Yeah. And she's got a pretty good repertoire. She's done comedies. She's done dramas. She's done weird sci-fi. She's done children's movies and adult movies. And she's done Harry Potter movies and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movies. And yeah, she's done all sorts of movies. She was in The Corpse Bride, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. She's done Lemony Snicket, Big Fish, Henry VIII. Yeah. yeah. And actually one of my favorite 
Shakespearean comedies of all time, Twelfth Night. If you haven't seen her in Twelfth Night from and back I in haven't. the day, it's a fantastic movie. It's really funny, and she's great in it. And so when you actually consider the course of her career, which is what I like to try to do. I like to – when I look at my favorite, as we've talked about before when I was defending the, the name of the, the great Sir Brad Pitt. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, oh, is that I like to look for somebody who has a good repertoire in their in their history and has done a lot of movies and has done a lot of variety in their roles. Yeah, yeah. And Helena Bonham Carter has done that. Yeah, and yeah. and I think she, in spite of maybe getting a little typecast at times <laughs> yeah. in Tim Burton movies, she does crazy really fantastic. She does I mean, crazy she really, really does. well, but she also is a pretty great actress in other in her own. In her own right and in other types of roles. And so for yeah. that, she gets number five on my list. No, and you know what? The first time I ever saw her was in actually one of my very first date movies. I, okay. I remember going out on a date to Room with a View, an E.M. Forster movie. Those E.M. Forster movies are as boring as they come. <laughs> but they're very British and they're very beautiful in their own way. And, and Helena Bonham Carter was amazing in it she was really good in it and 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 because that was my first memory of her it's always a little bit surreal to see her playing the crazy woman in the harry potter movies you know she she just is is so good at that she she embodies that role so much but when i think of her i think of her as this very genteel very quiet british young lady right you know and so that's how i first saw her she does have she does have range that I don't think she gets credit for. Very she often. doesn't. And it's kind of what have you done for me lately? And lately it's been a lion's share of the crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean. Or wacky. You got to pay the bills, right? <laughs> There's money to be made. Money to be made. <laughs> All right. Number four for you, Paul. All right. Number four. This is going to be awkward because I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce this name. Uh-oh. I won't butcher it like some people might. But, but well, I, I may. <laughs> Saris Ronan. Serious? Serious? Serious. Serious Roman. What is up with these people and their Irish names? Oh, my goodness. The Irish, like, take the English letters and make the weirdest names. <laughs> like spelling o- or Owen or, yeah, Ian. What is it? Owen with an E. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At the beginning. Well, and the thing that I always struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. But. So it's, her name is probably like Sarah. Yeah, Ryan. <laughs> We're just gonna call. I bet her that's her name. Serious, 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 serious. Like serious black. You got Harry Potter <laughs> on the brain. Whoever she is, she's really great. <laughs> she's really great. She is. Uh, she's one of the fine young actresses of this modern age in which we live. Um, everything that I have seen her in, she has really drawn. My attention, and she, and, and the thing that I re- I really appreciate about her is that she's so versatile. I mean, she's got to be what all of twenty three or something like that. I don't know. She is young though. Yeah, she is. But in her short time, she has played so many different characters. Uh, she was a little girl who accused somebody of a terrible deed in atonement. That was where I first saw her. Mm. She was all of twelve years old. She played. At 14 or 15, she played this this crazy spy girl who was um, trained to kill for, you know, it was Hannah. Oh, if, if you remember I didn't Hannah. get to see Hannah. 
Hidden was one of the best thrillers that I had seen for a long time. Emma Thomason might have been in there too, actually. Oh, now yeah. that I think about that, that might be my like my. That was Eric Bana too, right? I think so. Yeah. 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 So she was fantastic in that. I saw her in Brooklyn. She was wonderful as this uh, Irish immigrant to America who falls in love, and she has this very quiet story. Then you see her this year in Lady Bird, and she plays a completely different character, a high school senior who is just trying to find her own way in a very crazy manner. Um, Everything that she is in, she is almost perfect in, in terms of, like, the role. You can't picture anybody else doing the role once you see her in it. And that is remarkable for someone so young, you know? That is. And... You know, to and to keep it going. Yeah. You know, it's like some people top out when they're kids and they can't seem to carry it into adulthood. You know, like your Frankie Muniz yeah. of the world. Or maybe your Shirley Temples of the world. <laughs> yeah. Poor Shirley Poor Temple. Shirley. Honorary honorary yeah. spot for Shirley. I don't think she made it either of our lists. She played one role forever. <laughs> Poor <laughs> And she was great at it. She was great at it. (laughs) She was good on you, Shirley. Absolutely. You know, I actually don't know if I've seen Sarah Ryan in anything, but uh, I've heard great things. Yes, I keep trying to tell you to go. (laughs) I need to go see Lady Bird. So there you go. Yeah, it wasn't Emma Thompson, but but actually, I will be talking about another person who is in Hannah later on. Well, there you go. So just to stoke your appetite. All right. So number four for me uh, is somebody much older. Then Seors Ronan, <laughs> Sarah Ryan, Sarah Ryan, <laughs> and that is uh, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Oh. Sixty-eight years old, looking pretty good for sixty-eight. If you saw her in the Defenders, even though I felt like she was wasted in the Defenders, yeah, what? Uh, absolutely and totally wasted in the Defenders. <laughs> that's, that's another podcast <laughs> that we've already had. <laughs> But uh, but Sigourney Weaver is another one where, you know, we all think Ripley, I think. Yeah. No. Well, maybe not all of us, but I do. I do, maybe too. Maybe that's the sci-fi geek in me. But mm. when, we, when we say Sigourney Weaver, it's like, that's Ellen Ripley. Come on now. But Sigourney Weaver has a long and storied career where she has done plenty of types of roles. And how can we forget Galaxy Quest? Galaxy Quest. Which may actually be her best role of all time. No, I think that that's really great. As a cheeky, strong female character who's constantly being objectified by, (laughs) you know, gross male fanboys. Yeah. Um, You know, and... Uh, and but the, but then you know she's done other things as well. And she did Ghostbusters. Yep. She did. Oh, it's a, just amazing. She's been all over the place. She was done. she was in Finding Dory, which was totally underrated as a Pixar film. I think actually. Oh, and she wasn't that. I forgot yeah, all about that. She was in The Cabin in the Woods, and I mean she's been in indie movies and blockbuster movies. She was yeah. in Avatar, which. Maybe wasn't her greatest role, but she's all over the place. Yeah. You know, she does lots of types of films, and again, that's what I'm looking for here. And Sigourney Weaver has a great presence. She yeah. just has this confidence you know, about her yeah. that makes her such a great, strong female lead in everything that she does. Because you don't even have to do anything to make her seem awesome or yeah. seem strong or seem cool. She just is. No, and I think that's that's what makes her right. pretty pretty great. That's absolutely right. I mean, I think that had the list been longer, Sigourney would have definitely made my list because 
when you look back on it, what you say about her is absolutely right. She is a very strong, very charismatic presence. And I actually think that, that she, maybe more than anybody else on this list, sort of opened the door to the idea of, number one, action movies being taken seriously, and number two, women being central characters within those action movies. You you watch her in Alien, you watch her especially in Aliens, she is amazing. She carries it. She carries it. She yeah. is the reason why those movies succeeded. Absolutely. And, and Aliens, that was one of my very favorite performances that she's ever done, quite frankly. And how could you forget that she was the warden in Holes? Come on now. The warden in Holes. She was in Working Girl. She was in Gorillas in the Mist. I mean, That's she's, right. She has this humongous body of work, and I would bet you that if you looked at all of her movies and you looked at anybody else on our list... Not only are you going to find some tremendous performances, all her movies have made like three gazillion dollars. I mean, she, she more than anybody else, is, is going to be sort of a very familiar figure um, to a lot of people. Actually, one of my very favorite roles that she did is a movie that no one has ever seen called Be Kind, Rewind. I've seen Be Kind, Rewind. It's no a great way. movie. Jack Black. <laughs> That's exactly Moss right. <laughs> Moss Def is an underrated actor. He is an underrated anyway, actor. Anyway, but we're not here to talk about Moss Def. No. He, Be Kind Rewind, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it because it's this ode to not only great movies, but it's an ode to the days when you would go down to a video store and run a videotape. And Sigourney Weaver plays the villain, essentially, right. even though she's not really a villain. She's just she's just a person doing her job and she does a she's great pragmatic. job yeah she she shows a kinder gentler soul side of her in that movie and that shows her versatility very good all right paul all right who's next on your list speaking of oldsters i am going to mention this is i'm gonna go way 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 back with this one okay um but you cannot deny that she is one of the the most formative actresses of of all time that would be katherine hepburn Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn. She um, has had acted over the course of five decades. I think she won Academy Awards over the course of five decades. Her first was 1933 for Morning Glory, I believe. Wow. Uh, her last was 1981 for On Golden Pond, and she won a couple in between for one of my all-time favorite movies. One of them was for um, A Lion in Winter, okay. where she played... Eleanor of Aquitaine. Aquitaine. And then the other one was... Aquitaine? (laughs) Aquitaine. Aquitaine? Yeah, that's all right. That's right. Ceres? Ceres. (laughs) Um, She is incredible. She has always been one of my very favorite actresses. She was actually one of the reasons why I got into old movies to begin with, because she is such a compelling presence. And, And I think if anybody who is unfamiliar with Catherine Hepburn, check out... Lion and Winter. It is, she stars against Peter O'Toole. You'll see a young Anthony Hopkins in it. You'll see a young Timothy Dalton in it. It is the story of uh, Henry II and his squabbling family. And, and Catherine Hepburn as Eleanor of Aquitaine completely dominates the movie. She is incredible in it. All right. We'll so, have to check that one out. All right. So number... Uh, you know, actually, before I go to mine, this is one I, I have to say, I don't think I've ever seen an Audrey Hepburn movie. Audrey Hepburn? 
Sorry. <laughs> Catherine Hepburn? Yeah. Audrey Hepburn is quite good, too. Sorry. Catherine. <laughs> I did this on the last one, too. Like, my brain my brain knew who I was talking about. Yeah, no, no. no I, I actually I haven't seen either of them, and that's so oh, that's, my that's part of my problem. Backlist Hall of Shame. We're, Backlist I'm Hall of Shame is gathering that notes for I've, not, I've not seen a Hepburn movie. There we go. Yeah, that's, no. That's what I'm trying to say here. Like, that's why I can mix them up so interchangeably is they have the same last name and I've never seen any of their movies <laughs> and I feel a little bad they're about that. They're both thin. They're both old, you know, relatively speaking. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so watch Lion and Winter. For Audrey Hepburn, watch Wait Until Dark. Okay. Uh, all right, so I've actually made a change on the fly <laughs> and and I've moved Sigourney Weaver up to number three. Oh, as I, as I thought about That's this, so, funny. so I'm going to tell you about my number four, who wasn't number three. I don't know if you're allowed to do that. I'm allowed to do that. I think you get a penalty. Officially, you get a five-yard officially penalty Sigourney Weaver is my number three. Right. So there you go. I already right. talked about her. So now back to my number four. Okay. Uh, I, you know, it was one of those things where I was thinking about it, and as I was talking about it, I convinced myself well, that yeah. I had the order wrong. So it's actually quite... It's the way it should be. Oh, yeah. We okay. want to get it right. We want to get it right here. So, well, we'll see. I'll, I'll, once you see it, <laughs> my I'll, number four, I'll tell you whether you're right or not. My number four now <laughs> is, four. is Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Coming out of left field. Wow, that is coming out of Nobody left field. Nobody saw that one coming. Yeah. And Sigourney I it, Weaver is better than Sigourney Kathy Weaver is better than Kathy Bates. Although like, she's really nice. You know, I think I was when I was putting together the list originally, I was, I was feeling – I was like, you know what? She was so great in The Office. <laughs> She was so weird and misery. I'll put her at three. Uh, <laughs> she was in the office? She was in the office for a while. Yeah, no way. She was for like a whole, I don't know, season, at least half season. She was a recurring character for, for a little bit in the office. She played uh, Joe Bennett in in the office where her company bought mm. Dunder Mifflin. And so she became the new boss. She's and an interesting character. There was some great stuff. And but but all to say, she is very interesting and she has done a ton of stuff. You know, she's she's done some garbage stuff. Oh yeah. Most people have. Yeah. Uh, I, I have not <laughs> she even She definitely has. I'm I haven't tried her right newest now. one. <laughs> Disjointed, which is where she's like a pot farmer. So and she's done bad Santa and like she's done <laughs> yeah. some she's done some stuff that's not great. <laughs> However, she's she's also very charismatic, mm-hmm. and as as great as she can, she's got those crazy eyes. She can also be very gentle, you know. Yeah. When you, I think of her as the the kindly and the tutor in the Blind Side, she was very nice in that. And wasn't she was she? very nice in that. And and but then again, you think back to Misery. And yeah. Like that's an iconic role. It's an iconic like that. She's. Crazy creepy in that. She is crazy creepy. But then she has a great comedic presence, which you can see in movies, you know, uh, or in TV shows like The Office. And, you know, she was in About Schmidt back in the day. People saw way more of her than they wanted to in About (laughs) Schmidt, but she has dramatic chops. Like, again, she's, in spite of her penchant for lesser movies, I think she is an actress. You gotta pay the bills. Sigourney pays him with blockbusters. Exactly. Kathy pays him. Sigourney just pays her bills with a little bit better. Pot TV shows. <laughs> uh, but I mean, she was in Charlotte's Web. Come on. Yeah. I mean, well, Kathy Bates has done a lot of great roles. 
that are very endearing and or creepy and or funny. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about, well, there are a few interesting things about Kathy Bates, but as I'm thinking about her filmography, the thing that strikes me is that she has actually not changed the way she looks remarkably right in the last 30 years i mean <laughs> she looks like pretty She's much the same about, woman who yeah. we've seen in misery and that's that's where i came to first see kathy bates was in misery and um content caveat that's a really really harsh movie <laughs> in a lot of ways but it was she was really compelling she has some great stage presence she has some great screen presence and there's there's a certain intensity that I appreciate about her. I think she is completely overrated on your list, but but <laughs> but at least I not do as overrated as she could have been at number three. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. No, and and you think about Kathy Bates. The, one of the things that that I've seen her in lately is in American Horror Story. I I don't watch American Horror Story, but I review yeah, I it almost either. every year. And American Horror Story is actually one of my least favorite shows to review because it's so horrible and, and so violent and it's really, really harsh for for not what I think is a, is a lot of really great purpose. But Kathy Bates on that show, every time I, she shows up on screen, I am riveted. Yeah. And she is almost a reason by herself to watch that show. She does it. And, and I think that's why, even though when you hear the name, you're like, nah... When you start thinking about what she does when she's on screen, I think that's where she starts to win it. Yeah. And, of course, how can you forget, there's the devil, Mama. Look, Mama, there's the devil. Mama Boucher. <laughs> what a boy. Goodness Best gracious. role of all time for Kathy I think that just Kathy being Bates. water boy should eliminate you from any no, sort of consideration. No, come on. So from Waterboy Mama to Boucher. my number two, who may be my number seven. I may switch it. <laughs> that would be very fitting of you. <laughs> number two on my list. We're going to go – actually, we're going to go back-to-back with the two most decorated Oscar-winning actresses of our day. Number two is Meryl Streep for me. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Every time she is in anything, she gets an Academy Award nomination. And I think almost every single time that nomination is well-deserved. She is in this year in the movie The Post, which was a really good movie about the Pentagon Papers, 1970s. Uh, She plays such a wide variety of characters. She is amazing in terms of her flexibility, her malleability to, to blend into characters. She has detractors because she's almost too good. She's almost too showy. People think that Maybe she's overacting sometimes. I don't think so. I think that she just does what the character demands. And and she has played some amazing characters. I mean, you think about the variety of stuff that she's done. From from Julie and Julia uh, to The Post to Terms of Endearment to... Uh, the Iron Lady, one of my favorite roles that she was in. She she's just she's just done it all, and she's always done it well. Yeah, I I mean I can't begrudge that pick because she is good. I mean when I when I think of Meryl Streep, I think she's probably a pretty great cross between Tom Hanks and Daniel Day Lewis. Mm, yeah, you that's know, really true. Uh, and 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 it was I think in my own experience and I haven't seen enough of Meryl Streep's mm. movies probably to to say this really accurately yeah. but 
I like I think in what I have seen, the ones that I have seen, I, I've tended to put her more in the Tom Hanks category. Sure. Where it's somebody who's very charismatic, very engaging, you know, commanding screen presence. You know, she is gonna own the screen when she's on. It doesn't matter who else right. is on there. And but it's Meryl Streep is this, Meryl Streep is that, more so than disappearing into yeah. characters for me. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I, I I do think when you talk about the Iron Lady and some things like that, that she has disappeared more into roles than than Hanks ever has. Mm-hmm. And so I can give her some Daniel Day Lewis props there. You know, she didn't make my list because I haven't seen enough right. of her stuff, and so it doesn't make her not the best actress ever. It just means. Man, I I thought she was more Tom Hanks than Daniel Day Lewis, yeah. and no, I, I think, think Tom that. Hanks is very likable, and I think Meryl Streep is very likable. Yeah, um, but but it's a very, very solid pick. I mean, she's done a ton of stuff. Yeah, no, and I was actually expecting her to be number one, to be honest with yeah. you, when I started putting this list together. One quick thing, not in terms of endearment, just to <laughs> let you know, I was thinking of Kramer versus Kramer. That was uh, where she won her first actress, her first. Uh, best With, actress, uh, yeah. There you go. Actually, best supporting actress. But but to get to your point, it's interesting that you mentioned Tom Hanks because you know in the post you get to see Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks together, and I totally get what you're saying. The thing that that. I, I totally agree with your take on Tom Hanks. He's really likable. He's very good in everything that he does, but he never disappears into a role. I think that you can see. When you watch The Post, you can see the difference between the two really clearly because Tom Hanks still feels very much like Tom Hanks in a way. He still does a great job in this, but he's still Tom Hanks. Meryl Streep, because she's so well-known and she's so recognizable, she never really is able to disappear into a role. And yet, she is the charismatic heart of this movie by far. I mean, it's really her story. And the thing that, that lends her power is that she's able to, to show you this woman and show the inner turmoil in her, even though she is also playing the sort of woman who would never let that inner turmoil actually show. She plays this, this socialite character who is always smooth, always gracious, and yet you can see, you can see the emotion in her. And I think that, that just goes to, to Meryl Streep's acting chops. Yeah. Nope. She's a good one. All right, number two for me. Or 13. No, no, this is, this is number two for me. Viola Davis. Viola Davis. Viola oh, Davis. Oh, my goodness. That is a great pick. You cannot argue with that pick. No. She has been burning it up recently, but it's not – she's done – she's not new to the scene. She's Her acclaim is new, but she's been around. She's been doing stuff for like 20 years, people. So – or longer. She's done – She's been all over the place. She was back in Kate and Leopold, for Pete's sake. <laughs> and Antoine Fisher. And way Antoine back. Fisher, yeah. Way back when. And she played against Meryl Streep, opposite Meryl Streep in Doubt. That would have been quite the actress show Yeah, to watch. she was in yeah. Doubt in 2008. I mean, and but, man, her role in Fences. Oh, goodness her role gracious. in The Help. Yeah. I mean, she is powerful. She can even make a Tyler Perry movie feel pretty great. She was in Medea Goes to Jail and her character in Medea Goes to Jail was really, really powerful as this woman who who works to 
to rescue, works day in and day out to take care of and rescue women out of sex trafficking. Viola Davis's charisma is like off the charts. Off the charts. She is, she just, I mean, she stole fences from Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington is a fantastic actor. He was on my list of best actors of all time. And Viola Davis, like, stole that. She was fences. She was. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And and she as as much as she's getting some love for some of these roles, I think she's still pretty underrated. And I think that's I think that's unfair because she is fantastic. She is fantastic. I I when you say that, it makes me it makes me feel bad that I forgot all about putting Viola Davis on the list because she is uh, Fences may be the strongest acting performance that I've seen in the last five, seven years. Ugh. I mean, maybe she, she so absolutely, yeah, she was so riveting in that. And, and the thing about her is that she has, she has this quiet intensity. She's sort of in some ways the anti Meryl Streep where, where she underacts purposefully in some ways, yeah. but she is so riveting and so compelling that when she, you know what she's like? She almost reminds me of a Ferrari, you uh-huh. know, where most of the time she just, she drives the speed limit, but you can tell there's some serious <laughs> power and you can't help but look, yeah. you know, because she is just that riveting. She just has this understated presence that is incredible. But then when she puts on the gas like she did in the fences... <laughs> Yeah, it is a sight to behold. Yep. So there you go. Number two for me. All righty. Viola Davis. Wow. Number one retroactively for me. (laughs) (laughs) Are you shifting your list now? (laughs) Yeah. But this this makes me, this actually really makes me want to see them both in in the same movie sometime. My number one, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. She is. Um, she's almost sort of like a younger version of Meryl Streep in a way. I mean, I think that that every time I've seen her in something, she has the the charisma. She is absolutely compelling. You can't look away from her. She plays a lot of different roles. She's actually like sort of a combination of of, of Meryl Streep and Sigourney Weaver, oddly enough. Hmm. You know, because you think about her in um, in a lot of the movies that she's done, she has. She has the ability to play these crazy, whacked-out villains like she did on Thor Ragnarok. She can be this beautiful, calm presence in the Lord of the Rings movies. And then she can just kill in terms of acting in, say, Blue Jasmine, which was a really compelling performance, an old Woody Allen movie that, that... you know, had her and really nothing else going for it. She was just absolutely compelling. She, you see her in playing Catherine Hepburn in The Aviator. Yeah. She was amazing in that movie. And then she is the one who played the villain opposite Sarah Yusunonen <laughs> in Hannah. <laughs> she was a great bad guy in, in Hannah. And I think that... that when you have a movie like that, you really need a compelling bad guy, and she makes an incre- incredibly compelling bad guy. Um, the only the only time when she's I've seen her in something that disappointed me 
was probably Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. <laughs> but yeah, not her we'll best. Just, not a great villain. We'll push that aside. If you can put Kathy Bates on your list for all the bad things, we'll that blame. She's done. Was it Spielberg's fault? It, yeah, I blame. Yeah, Spielberg, Lucas. I blame Lucas. Lucas I blame Lucas for yeah, everything. Lucas's so. fault. We'll blame Lucas. So that's my number one, Kate number Blanchett. One. All right, number one for me. It's going way, way back, but also not so far. Very recent. <laughs> because it's the Dame Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith, people. She is fantastic. Most people in America are probably familiar with her as the Dowager Countess. Correct. From Which she was great at. Downton Abbey. Yeah. Which she was fantastic as. Like I probably the best part of that show for me personally. Mm-hmm. She was so bitter and yet she could she could be quite funny but also very conspiring and snake like in her own way. Yeah. yeah. And Dame just carries it. But but then she was great in kids movies like Harry Potter. You loved her and stuff like Harry Potter. Yep. But then you go way back. She's been doing this since the mid 50s. She is she goes back a long way. And yeah. I mean, and she can do not only these old lady, but like she she brings so much nuance into these roles. Even as you know, it's like oh, she's just playing these old lady characters. No, she's very different in these roles. She brings <laughs> yeah. a lot of humanity yeah. to these roles, even in her old age. But when she was young, she was a tall, slender, beautiful, she was beautiful. woman. But yet she did comedy. She yeah. wasn't just eye candy. Murder by Death, one of the best comedies of all time. She was Maggie great in Smith that. was fantastic yeah. in Murder by Death. Yeah, she is always she's always exemplified for me this and and I I got to tell you that if we were doing a list of favorite actresses, not best actresses, she would have absolutely been on my list. I I love Maggie Smith because she is so she's just so British, you know? And you're absolutely right. I've I've seen her in a lot of stuff back in back in her youth and she yeah. was she was tall. She was glamorous. She was never, um, she was never, quote unquote, beautiful, but she was striking. Yeah, you know. And I think that that she had this charisma and she had this charm and she always had this ability to sort of morph between a lot of different characters. And she has gracefully grown into. And I think you're absolutely right. Her. her her later life roles have been just as compelling because she's allowed herself essentially to go in those directions and she can find the depth and nuance in these characters that that only a great actress can yeah now number one crazy it's not crazy it's crazy not crazy when you look back at her body of work and all that she has done it's really not crazy i mean she's done shakespeare she's done drama she's done comedy about the only thing she hasn't done is action which would be great to see i would love to see a maggie smith action (laughs) movie are you kidding me please (laughs) somebody in hollywood listen to this and get maggie smith in an action movie yeah she would be even better than helen mirren she is charming she is wonderful but she is not that versatile of an actress yes you just talked about how she was able to morph into all these different types of roles but at the same time she doesn't have she doesn't have the range i don't think is of a kate blanchett or or you know a meryl streep or something she she i think she always has like can you imagine her playing uh low you know a a poverty-stricken american 
No. Uh, yeah. No. Absolutely. No. She could do it now. She can only be she British. Could do a, she, she could do, only be British. She could do an amazing poverty-stricken American right now. <laughs> right now. She could I want to see it. It's Maggie I would want to see it too. And Jeff Bridges in this movie about like the trailer parks of America where Appalachia. she's yeah, of Appalachia and she's like the grandma yeah. and he's the grandpa or no, she's the great grandma, he's the grandpa. If I see her playing anybody, that would be incredible. That's, that's that would be a great upper, movie, and she would do great. Upper middle class, upper class British. Then, then I will. I will. You've say, seen it, the lady in the van. She well, okay, yeah, yeah, that's true. But she was still British. She, she was, was still, still British, and but she, she was so do. Maggie Smith. <laughs> she was so Maggie Smith in that role. Uh. <laughs> but she was she was poor in that movie. That is true. <laughs> We'll have to agree to disagree. I think Hollywood, again, we want an action movie with Maggie Oh, Smith. I would totally – I would pay all the money to see that. <laughs> and we want Jeff Bridges and Maggie Smith in a movie in the Appalachian Mountains. I want to see – I want to see Maggie Smith in some sort of Avengers story. Oh, Infinity War 2. Ooh, that would be great. She can be – she can be – she'll be at the end of Infinity Wars. <laughs> She'll be uh, she'll be uh, Thanos's mom, who like comes to take him away and like I've been looking for him. He's been out rampaging, just enslaving the galaxy. I've got to take him home. Like, that would be so good. She would fit right into a to a Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, she totally would. She'd be so. Oh. Yeah, as long as she gets to play an upper middle class no. British woman. Bogus. Yeah, Bogus. I have never heard her do – and this is not the mark of a great actress necessarily, but I've never heard her do like another accent. I mean she always sounds exactly like Maggie Smith, right? She never disappears into no. a role. You're wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this one is, is being, you know, mired by just how – Likeable she is, but yeah, no, she, she's great. She's bewitched she's great. me, so there no, you go. I, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't get on your case too much. Uh, what about for you guys? <laughs> Who's the best actress in your book? I could be convinced to swap my number one and my number two because Viola Davis is just that good. And if she acts for another forty years, <laughs> she'll probably jump to number one in my list. No, she'll definitely because she's. I'm already thinking about putting Viola Davis at number one. She's so good. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but who's your favorite actress, or who's, in your opinion, the best actress of all time? Who did we miss? I Who mean, did we obviously, miss? If we I miss people. If I miss Viola Davis, yeah. I mean, there are other people. We who only I miss. we didn't have any crossovers on our list, so we still, but we still only covered ten. Yeah. So there's a lot out there that we probably missed. Let us know. I'm at Jake Roberson on the Twitter. I'm at AC Paul, and it's time for the most least important thing. Welcome inside the most least important thing, the way we like to wrap up every single show, where we take the huge, massive mountains of pop culture and we reveal that they're really molehills. <laughs> or vice versa. We take the molehills, we put the magnifying glass on them, and all of a sudden, the magnifying glass doesn't work because it's a mountain. Exactly. Whatever you said. Whatever I said. Paul, 
What do you got for us this time? So uh, anytime I have a chance to talk about an old good movie, I will take it. And this is my chance. The Frisco Kid. Because 1948. Oh, no, not that one. Right around this time, the uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre Mm. was first rolled out into theaters. That's on my backlist, Hall of Shame. It totally is. Yeah, we've got a lot of those on this list, actually. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, Treasure of Sierra Madre is a wonderful movie. And, Jake, actually, you'd really like it because it's just these three guys. Just dudes. Yeah, just just guys (laughs) who are mining for gold in Mexico. No, I would hate it. I've turned a corner. (laughs) And and it's really a compelling story. And and it really is... uh, a morality fable mm. about greed. I and like what that. Greed can do to you. It is wonderful. Humphrey Bogart, at his best, his highest point, I think, in his cinematic history, uh, stars Walter Houston too, I believe, and a really poisonous Gila monster. Gila. So, yes, Gila monster. Gila, as opposed to Gila monster. Gila. Yeah, so uh, check it out if you have a chance. Uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre, if you've never seen it. came out 70 years ago this month. 70 years ago this month, and it is a tremendous movie that is is truly timeless. It is black and white, but it truly is timeless. There you have it. So what do you have, Jake? All right, so for me, I have a little bit of foreshadowing for a future episode of Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. Okay. And so this is is something I'm actually taking – it's actually, you know what? You, you decide for yourself. <laughs> but, guys, they're probably making an Uncharted movie. Like, definitely making an Uncharted movie. And I am not happy about it. Oh, very Not happy about it. Uh, and, but, the one potential bright spot in all of this is that Tom Holland is probably going to be Nathan Drake in it. Tom Holland? Wow. Interestingly enough, which means it's probably going to be a prequel of sorts. Yeah, I was thinking, the Uncharted isn't he, like, series. way too young to be the Uncharted way guy? Way too young to be the Uncharted guy, yeah. unless it's a prequel. So Uncharted is a video game series. It's like a modern-day anti-Indiana Jones, uh, but Indiana Jones all at the same time. And uh, it's foreshadowing because I think we need to have a conversation about video games and movies. And I want to do a future episode about that, and so we'll be—I'll be keeping some of my thoughts about that aside for this future episode where we talk about video game movies because right. that's a topic that needs to be discussed. But I think in this case, there does not need to be an Uncharted movie. Very interesting. I, I personally, I don't think there needed to have been an Uncharted game. Well, so. that's just because Paul <laughs> is ridiculously biased oh my against non-open world games. So long cutscenes. It's like you watch twenty minutes of cutscenes and then you get to push three buttons and then there's another twenty it's minute cutscene. Not at all how three this buttons. Works. Oh, my not goodness. at all how this they're works. The, Paul. They're the worst video games ever. <laughs> Disagree, but there you have it. Tom Holland. It's a. It's since been deleted. It kind of. It kind of flew under the radar because it, it was a deleted Instagram post where Tom Holland had uh, had done a Instagram story where he showed the Uncharted video game screen and then written for research purposes. 
Oh, very And then had to delete it. So there's probably an Uncharted movie. It's probably got Tom Holland attached. I'm probably not going to like it. <laughs> so there you go. But <laughs> that's another podcast for another day. For today, it was all about the actresses. They shine, hopefully, <laughs> in the midst of our goofiness. And uh, if you, again, have some thoughts for us, we always like to talk. We're on the Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. And you can hit us up on the Facebook group, which is Pop Culture with Fan, People, and Know-It-Alls. And, hey, if you'd like to listen to us, would you leave us a review? iTunes, Stitcher, somewhere. Give us a review so uh, we can be happy about that. We would be happy about that. And as long as it's a good review. As as, I mean, <laughs> if it's a bad review, I probably am not going to be happy about it. But, but we'll still be grateful do, you gave you know us. Yeah, yeah, you know, for be your truthful. Time. We're very you, truthful. You had to here. give us your time, and yeah. that's worth something. So. Yeah. Uh, but until next time, I'm Jake. I'm Paul. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Bye. Like this is really cool, but the one that uh, like was probably my biggest wow moment so far. As far as I don't think I did this, I definitely didn't do this the way I was supposed to, but I survived anyways, and it was awesome. Was I was trying to find a shrine up in the snowy mountains, and I'm eating spicy food to try to stay warm, and because uh, I don't have any warm clothes, mm-hmm. and I get off track, and I wind up at the top of this mountain where there's this this bewitched dragon that I have to fight to free, mm-hmm. uh, you know, its spirit from, you know, mm-hmm. the curse of Ganon. And uh, you need arrows. And so I didn't have enough arrows mm-hmm. to even start oh. to fight it. And I'm like, here I have found this awesome, like, dragon fight totally out in the blue and wasn't looking for it. And I don't have any arrows. Like, you have to... And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to fly, paraglide down to the village, mm-hmm. get some arrows, trek all the way back up, make some food. So I do all that and, come, you know, climb back up the mountain, run uh-huh. past all these enemies, you're freezing cold, trying to stay warm, start the fight, and, <laughs> you know, start taking out parts of the dragon because he's got these eyeballs on him. Mm-hmm. And... Then he starts moving down the mountain, and you have to take the battle down. You have to follow him down. Oh, my goodness. chase him down the mountain, like paragliding. Oh, wow. And then you're in the – like there's just these rocky precipices, and you have to jump from one to one and float up above the dragon. Mm Mm-hmm. And I and I'm trying and I'm and but what I'm doing is I'm I'm landing on the precipices and like trying to aim my arrow and shoot the eyes that passes by mm-hmm. and I'm missing 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 all my arrows are gone, <laughs> all my arrows are gone and he still has like half of his eyes left. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking, what am I supposed to do? I can't hit these things. And then I'm like, wait, he's the way he's moving, it's creating this updraft. I can ride up into the air and try to like float around uh, above him and dive bomb stab attack oh my goodness the eyes from the sky and then 
And so I start trying to do that, and I miss and go tumbling, but, like, get the paraglider out just in time before I crash into the rocks and die and float back up and try. And then I get one. And I'm like, oh, it works. And he starts moving again, and so I have to follow him down. And, and I'm just floating. I have no arrows, but I'm floating up and paragliding down and stabbing him in the eyes and missing wow. Get it, and I finally slam by dive bombing little Link out of the sky from a paraglider. Woo-hoo. Time after time, that's Only, like probably your greatest achievement so far this year. It was. I mean, don't you for think? sure? For sure. Yeah. yeah. It, see, that's the funny thing about video games is that I mean, they really do give you this sense of accomplishment. You don't think of them as big accomplishments, but man, that's really cool. <laughs> and and then I find out later, oh, if I would have. I didn't know I had this ability. Again, it doesn't hold your hand. But if you have the arrows and you are have jumped or are falling mm-hmm. or in the air of some kind and you draw your bow, time slows down a little bit. Um. And so I was supposed to essentially be doing the same thing except with my arrows. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to be trying. To, I didn't know I could fire them from the air. Right, right. At that point, because it was so early on, and I had, I mean, I still only had a few hearts, like five hearts at the time. Like, I had very few, and so I had no clue that that was a thing. (laughs) But I beat him anyways, because I didn't get, like, because the game still let me. It wasn't like I had to do it that way or else. So I, I finish him off. I'm so excited. He flies back up. I have to go back up to, like, officially, you Mm -hmm. know complete the the battle or the quest and the goddess statue is like all right all you have to do now is fire one arrow through the heart of of the dragon to finish you know freeing yeah him and of course i have no arrows <laughs> oh no that part i couldn't cheese by stabbing him so i had to paraglide back down to the village sprint all the way back it was Oh my yeah. goodness. So it was like after this moment of triumph, then it's like, <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Darn it. Uh, that, that's a metaphor for life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. You ready? 